Lock of the Night listeners, thanks for checking out the episode. As always, it's greatly appreciated. Just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up about my Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash MMALOTN. Got a bunch of exclusive content up there, uh, special locked-in episodes, uh, specific prelim breakdowns, uh, Hail Mary Patreon parlay, all my official bets, even when I'm charging the public, uh, and then a Friday video or day before event video that I drop just to discuss all of the type of uh, line movements and any other spots that have uh, caught my eye throughout fight week as I normally record my Lockcast episode on Mondays. There's a lot of shit that happens throughout fight week as we all know. So um, yeah, check it out. Support your boy. Let's try to make this dream a reality. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, aka MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. Yes, I'm not at Rob's place. It's weird as fuck, isn't it, to see this type of setup? I know, it's kind of weird. Uh, my boy Rob had a little bit of uh, the cold, you know, a little sick. He didn't want to pass it on to me or anything like that. And and with all this new Patreon stuff that I'm doing and all the new content that I'm putting out, I can't really afford to you know, miss a day in terms of releasing my my content, the days that I've stated that I will be releasing them. So we used to have the, you know, we used to have a little bit of that leeway of recording on on Tuesdays instead of Mondays in case something was wrong on the Monday. Uh, but I had to, I had to, you know, make, make the decision here and actually record it at my place this time around. So, um, you know, Locked in is actually going to be a day late, unfortunately, just due to a lot of shit going on at the day job. And I just don't have enough time once I get home to put that episode together. Uh, but I'm in the midst of it uh, and I will get it out on Wednesday as soon as possible. But locked the lock cast needs to come out on Tuesdays. I need to, you know, sacrifice a little bit of sleep to make sure I get this episode out for you guys. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um so UFC Moscow, this is the event that we're going to be going over for this uh, this weekend. Big uh, main event. It's a three rounder due to the fact that Alexander Volk or Alexander Volkov was actually supposed to fight um, Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos gets some staff infection or something like that. In steps Greg Hardy, but for some reason they're not putting it as the main event, so they bring that down to co-main event and bump up the co-main event, which was Zabit Magomed Sherpa versus Calvin Qatar. Since obviously they've been trading for three rounds, they didn't want to move it up to five rounds, so they're fighting three rounds, which unfortunately for Calvin Qatar is a little bit more of an advantage for Zabit, but I'll get into that once we get to that actual fight. Um, obviously, no casuals. As you guys can see, I'm alone in this room. It's just me. So I'm going to be doing uh, a quick recap of UFC 244, and then we'll get into actually uh, UFC Moscow and break down that card for you guys. So uh, UFC 244, uh, a loss, unfortunately, you know, is it, it was unfortunate coming off that Bellator 232 win that I had the week before. Uh, but let's go over this real quick. We'll start off with the, the lock of the night play minus five units on Gregor Gillespie. Who the fuck thought that Kevin Lee was going to have a highlight reel type of knockout over Gregor? You know, I thought if Kevin Lee was going to get a victory, it was going to be some sort of him overpowering Gregor in the clinch of some sort and eventually getting it down and, and pulling off some sort of submission uh, or catching him with like a Hail Mary type of shot. I can't really say that leg kick was a Hail Mary because that was very well set up. You know, a right hand followed by the left high kick. Beautiful, picture perfect, right on the dot. Uh 
or right on the button, I should say, puts Gregor's lights out. First time he's ever lost. First time he's ever been finished. It's it was insane. Such a shock to me. Um, earlier today, I even released something saying that I haven't been that speechless after a knockout, especially on uh, on something that I had a lock of the night play on since uh, Brian Ortega absolutely ended Frankie Edgar. So um, this one kind of hurt just because of my confidence level in it, and uh, you know I am confident in all the lock of the night plays I I make, but. Obviously, there are certain levels to how confident I am in some and uh, how confident I am in others. And like I would put Gregor Gillespie up there with Daniel Cormier when he got knocked out by Stipe Miocic earlier this year. That was another one where I was kind of speechless. Um, and then the Brian Ortega, Frank Yeager one. <laughs> oh, I felt that one coming for a bit. I had to let that one out. I apologize. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Gregor Gillespie losing to Kevin Lee, DC losing to Stipe in the fashion that he did, and then Frankie Edgar losing to Brian Ortega. I'd say the Edgar and Gillespie one just hurt the most due to the fact that they were just these crazy shots that came out of nowhere. Um, whereas with DC, you know, Stipe started to change up his game plan a little bit, and within a minute, he was able to implement it and finish DC. So that one really hurt, uh, but we got to get back on the horse and keep it going. Um uh, all right, let's move on to the next play. Uh, I had 1.5 units on Stephen Thompson at minus 125. Kind of wish I went a little bit deeper, but the issues of his chin and possibly that being in uh, that being one of his flaws really kept me away considering how hard Vicente Luque actually uh, punches. But, you know, if you guys are on the Patreon page, you guys saw in my breakdown that Luque only really likes to trade in the pocket and does his best work when fighters stay in the pocket with him. And there were a couple touch-and-go moments with Stephen Thompson where he actually decided to stay in the the, in the pocket and, and stay against the cage and, and throw a couple shots with Vicente Luque, but he was never in trouble. Stephen Thompson dropped him a couple times. It was it was a great performance on Wonderboy's uh on Wonderboy's side, and I kind of wish I went a little bit deeper on it, but I'm happy to get the plus 1.2 unit profit on that. Moving on to Kelvin Gastelum and Darren Till. I had 1.75 units on Kelvin Gastelum to win inside the distance at plus 120. Um, and this kind of went like the locked-in episode kind of said. You know, I th- I thought that Kelvin Gastelum was going to win, and, and uh, I thought he was going to be able to get it done in the first round. But if this somehow ended up going 15 full minutes, it was probably going to be a Darren Till decision with him remaining super disciplined, not leaving those openings for Kelvin Gaston to come in and hit him. And that's kind of what he did. You know, there were still some issues where Darren Till left his chin a little bit vulnerable, but Kelvin Gaston was just not able to close the distance enough to actually land on him. You know, he was very close, and I'm sure he gave Darren Till a free shave every now and then, you know, winging some of these shots and just missing him. But it's going to be very concerning for Darren Till moving forward when he's fighting guys just as big, if not bigger than him. And, you know, that tall man and that that defense of just pulling your head back uh, or your body back, it's not going to work. And he's lucky Calvin Gaston wasn't able to close the distance as some of these guys are going to be able to. Uh, so an L there, uh, I was pretty confident in that play. Um, but uh, that's minus 1.75 units. Uh, another L, uh, one unit at plus 165 on Shane Burgos versus Marquand Amir Carney to go under two and a half rounds. I was super confident in that one too, you know, and we were close to hitting that shit. Burgos had Marquand really hurting uh, close to, you know, close to the halfway point of the third round. Uh, Marquand toughs it out uh, and uh, Burgos eventually gets the, the finish with less than a minute to go, which is kind of why I like playing the fight doesn't go to decision instead of unders and overs, but 
I I I got a little greedy this time, guys. I I apologize. I think the fight doesn't go to decision was roughly around plus one fifty or something, uh, and I took the extra little bit of money on the plus one sixty five and unfortunately paid for it. Uh, so big win for Burgos there. Uh, unfortunate loss for us. Um, and uh, my last play, well, last kind of officialish play, uh, was the Corey Anderson. So I had Corey Anderson to win straight. Uh, 0.5 units at plus 145 that cashes and then obviously Corey anderson to win inside the distance 0.25 units at plus 493 had to take the shot you know i'll be the first one to say though that that's not how i expected Corey anderson to win um i was kind of expecting him to grind him out you know wear out johnny walker and then eventually finish him in the late second round early third round or something like that uh but he just fucking went for it you know he landed one beautiful shot on johnny walker I think he thought he had Johnny Walker hurt, but it was more so the impact of the the shot that kind of moved Johnny Walker, but didn't really stun or finish him. But then Corey Anderson just followed up with it with this crazy barrage, and then he eventually got the finish himself. Uh, great win for him. Uh, he establishes himself back at the top of the light heavyweight division, and in my opinion, he probably gets a, he should get a title shot. But if you want to hear more about that, check out my last episode with uh, with Tony on the Combat Tours, and we definitely get a little bit deeper into that. But good underdog win there. Uh, probably should have gone a little bit deeper as well but again i say that every time i fucking win a bet and don't put even more on it so uh good one there uh and then lastly i have my patreon hail mary parlay it's called a hail mary parlay for a reason we only put 2.25 units on it uh and the odds on this one was plus 27.95 so if it cashed it would have been a nice little hit i think it would have cashed roughly about six units or so uh but we had Corey anderson to win wonderboy thompson to win Lyman good to win all who won uh, but then the people that blew it for us was Andre Arlovsky, who just got absolutely dead out there. Showed a decent chin over the last eight or nine fights, and I kind of believed in it a little bit too much. Jerzino comes up there and just absolutely mollywops him. And then obviously Gregor Gillespie was on that, and I've already talked about that, so I don't want to talk about that shit no more. Um, all in all, minus 4.84 units. Shitty event. Um, but we're back on the horse for UFC Moscow, which goes down this weekend. Very fun card in terms of uh, talent sprinkled throughout, you know, the UFC debut of Abu Bakar, uh, Nurmagomedov, um, against David Zawada. That's a fun fight. Rustam Habilov coming back as well. Magomedov Kalaev versus Dolce Lungiambula. Fun, fun fight. Ramazan Amiva versus Antonio, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. I'm going to keep calling the dude Tony Martin though. Uh, UFC debut of Shamil Gam- Gamzatov. Big fight there. Uh, a barn burner, which should be between uh, Zalim Imadiev and Daniel Roberts. That should be a great fight. I have a very strong lean there that I'll get into. Um, but all in all, you know, Alexander versus Vol- Alexander Volkov versus uh, Greg Hardy. Another great fight, at least in terms of seeing where Greg Hardy is at. You know, he shot, uh, showed some improvements last time around, going the full 15 minutes and showing off a little bit more than we've seen from him in the, him in the past. But this is a huge fucking step up. Uh, and is he worthy of it? Is he able to overcome this mountain that's Alexander Volkov? I'll let you guys know a little bit later in the episode. Uh, and then obviously in the main event, we got Zabit versus Calvin Qatar. Can't wait for that fight. Should be a striker's delight. Um, unfortunately, it's only three rounds. So hopefully it, you know, it lives up to it to its hype and within the 15 minutes that it has. All right, just like I did for last week, I'm going to be giving quick picks for my prelim plays. Uh, I will go into one of the prelim uh, fights, which is probably going to be Magomed Ankalaev versus Dolce Lungiambula. Um, but if you guys want to hear more about the prelims or even request that I go into a specific fight, 
uh, you all got to hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash MMALOTN. Last week I did Andre Arlovsky versus Jairzinho Rosenstroik for the guys there. Um, but I think I'm going to go into at least two or three. Uh, this week, Rustam Havilov versus Sergey Kandosko. That will probably be one. Uh, maybe the Nurmagomedov fight and probably Popov versus Grant. But if you guys sign up, you guys are more than welcome to request a different fight. And I'll be happy to break that shit down for you guys. But as of right now, I'm just going to be giving quick picks. Why I'm choosing these people? There's only one way to find out, and I just told you. So uh, let's start off at the bottom of the card. Also, I'm going with the Tapology page, uh, which is kind of sketchy when it comes to main card and uh, you know prelims, especially a little like with some of these fights. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm going to be using Wikipedia's um, you know lineup, uh, but I'll also be using uh, Tapology as well. Uh, to help me get the order of these fights correctly. So, uh, Jessica Rose Clark versus Patty Kianzad. I got Jessica Rose Clark. Alexander uh, Yakovlev versus Roosevelt Roberts. I got Roberts. Uh, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus David Zawada. I got Nurmagomedov. Grigory Popov versus Davy Grant. I got Popov. Uh, Rustam Habila versus Sergey Kandosko. Uh, got Rustam there. Uh, and then Ed Herman versus Kadis Ibrahimov. If you guys have been following me for a while, you guys know I'm not a big fan of Ed Herman. I don't think he's the best fighter out there. Kadis isn't the greatest fighter out there either, but I'm still going to take him to win this fight. Um, and that brings us to our prelim fight that I'm actually going to go into a little bit more uh, and not going to give a quick pick for. So let's get into Magomed Ankalai versus Dolce Lungiambula. So Dolce Lungiambula has uh, one fight in the UFC so far where he beat Daquan Townsend. Uh, before that, he was actually a champion over at EFC, heavyweight champion, even though this, this guy is not the biggest in terms of stats, like metrics, uh, 34 years old, 5'10 and 76 inch reach. But the guy has quick hands and a lot of speed behind him as well. So he's able to close distances against these guys pretty quickly. Uh, another good thing that I saw about him is the fact that he's actually able to get some cool trips, uh, get some very decisive takedowns. Uh, doesn't have the best top control per se, uh, but is able to dish out a lot of damage from on top if he's able to get it there. Uh, so the fact that he's been a little bit undersized in most of his fights, he's been getting away with it, with his speed and power. Um, he only has one loss on his record. He's currently riding a six-fight win streak. I I like the guy. He's 34, uh, you know, slowly getting closer to the end of his peak, I would say. Uh, but I think he has a monumental task ahead of him with Magomed Ankalaev. Ankalaev is a beast, you know. Outside of that Paul, Gra Paul Craig gaff that he had in his UFC debut, uh, he's been nothing but gold. You know, he that's his only loss on his record. Uh, in the Marcin Pracnio fight, he comes out and absolutely demolishes him. Uh, he, his hands are quick. Anytime that Pracnio tried closing the distance with some hooks or anything like that, uh, Magomed was quick with his hands, able to do some work and uh, land some damage on uh, Marcin. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen in this fight with Dolce as well. At any point that Dolce decides to try to close the distance and be the quicker man here, I think that Magomed is going to stick him with the with the crisp jab and a and a two right behind it. Um, and I think that uh, it'll be he has decent enough movement as well to you know maybe get away from what Dolce is going to be coming with in terms of grappling as well. I feel like Dolce is going to have to try to get a hold of Magomed, try to get him down, 
uh, and you know maybe work some of his top position. But again, I I haven't seen the best top control from him, uh, and I don't think he's going to be able be able to hold a guy like Magomed down either. So there's a reason that Magomed is currently like a minus three hundred is favorite. Let me confirm that number minus three hundred. Yeah, you can get him at minus two seventy eight on William Hill, uh, but. Five times has a minus 300, and I think it's kind of correct. You know, uh, Dalcha is a little bit one-dimensional when it comes to the striking, but again, like, kind of like the Kelvin Gaston, like I spoke about last week, he's quick with his punches and and he's quick with closing the range. Uh, but I think the 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 this, the reach discrepancy here is going to be a little bit too much for him, uh, or at least the size discrepancy because he actually has one inch on Magomed Ankalaev, but he's giving up roughly about four inches uh, in height. So the leg reach definitely comes into play here. Uh, but I think that Magomed's going to have the crisper hands. He's going to be able to catch Dolce when he comes uh, on the inside, and I think he's going to make it a long night for Dolce, but I think he eventually finds a finish probably in the third round after Dolce starts sucking wind a little bit more. And I'm not saying he has the worst cardio, but he has gone uh, a full 25 before in his last uh, his fight before the UFC against Andrew Zanziel, or Vanziel, sorry. Uh, split decision victory there, but, you know, it was it was impressive that he was able to go the full five rounds against a guy that was kind of known for his uh, for his cardio, but uh, I, I just don't see him having fought anybody with the type of striking of a Magomed Ankalaev. So I'm taking Ankalaev here. I'm going to take him by third round finish, and he actually may be a parlay piece for me this week. Uh, but I've still got to kind of settle on who I believe is going to be that last parlay piece. Um, but I got Magomed Ankalaev to win here by third round TKO. Um, tough match for Dolce. Uh, I hope that he like somehow cuts some of his muscle mass down and maybe goes to 185. He could probably, pro- he could probably do most of his damage down there. And we've seen a guy like Jared Cannonier go from heavyweight all the way down to middleweight and have a lot of success there. However, Jared Cannonier wasn't coming into the UFC sculpted like a fucking Greek god and looks like he has absolutely no fat on him, but. If he's able to make that that drop, you know, it's another twenty pounds, so it's kind of a lot. Uh, I just think he's just too undersized for one uh, for two hundred five. Obviously, too undersized for heavyweight, so he, there's no point in going up there. Um, but he's skilled, he's quick, he's fast. Uh, but it's only going to get him so far, and unfortunately, it's not going to get him past Magomed Ankalaev. All right, let's move on to the main card. I hope again. I hope this is in order. Topology, don't fuck me over. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Uh, let's start off with the Anthony Roko Martin versus Ramazan Amiv. Uh, I've been a big fan of Amiv since he came into the UFC. I have actually made him a lock of the night play in his UFC debut when he fought Sam Alvey. I thought that was kind of a no-brainer there. Alvey just being so one-dimensional and and Amiv having a lot of, uh, you know, accolades behind him. Uh, you know, Sambo Master, uh, decent grappling. He's been wrestling since he's six years old. Uh, but he's been showing great hands as well. He rocked Stefan Sekulic a couple times. Uh, he had a lot of success with Alberto Mina as well. Mina just kept digging for heel hawks and knee bars and just wasn't able to pull it off. Ramazan Amiv was very privy to it. Um, his hand speed is great. You know, he he does well with counters as well. He kind of waits for his opponents to throw and then he'll throw it back. Um, with Anthony Rocco Martin, this is an intriguing matchup. I think this is going to be a little bit of a closer of a fight. Um, so I'm going to be, personally, I'll probably be passing. It's minus 155, Amiv, plus 135 for um, Anthony Rocco Martin. Um, it, it's hard to break down this fight. You know, I, I 
in a way, it, it seems like it could be a close fight. And when you're talking about close fights in Russia and, you know, you're going up against a Russian, you got to be very careful there. Um, the, the value, in my opinion, is in the underdog here with Anthony Rocco Martin. You know, he's coming off that loss to Damian Maya, uh, majority decision loss. Um, you know, there was a, there was a, there was an argument that he won that last round against Damian Maya with a 10 8. Probably could have made it a draw. Um, and then in the Sergio Marais fight and the Jake Matthews fight, two things that were very, uh, you know, clear to me is that he really worked on his kicking game. He started really targeting the legs on these guys now, um, especially the calf. He did a lot of work on Sergio Marais with the calf kick. Uh, he did the same thing to Damian Maya. Did a lot of leg work on Jake Matthews. Um, and there's one kind of combo that he throws that I'm, I'm really liking was uh when he uh he throws a, a naked head kick which is kind of weird because that's probably what you want to hide behind other punches but one thing that he does he, he kind of throws it and if he lands it's great you know uh, he might rock his opponent or at least cause a little bit of damage but more often than not people are looking to counter that so i saw him imp implement a lot in the jake matthews fight and it kind of paid dividends for him you know he would throw the head kick uh, and Jake Matthews was kind of reactively uh, counter that. And then that would allow uh, Anthony Martin to counter him as well. So he's kind of throwing that head kick as a as something to pull punch, pull a counter out of his opponent so that he can counter their counter. Um, I, I, th I think it's a great tactic. Uh, and then in the Jake Matthews fight, you know, he eventually, he threw that leg, uh, threw the kick to the leg and brought out the punch of De uh, Jake Matthews and he countered him with a beautiful shot. Uh, eventually locked up the anaconda choke and put his ass to sleep. Beautiful work by Anthony Rocco Martin there, but I think it's going to be tough for him against a guy like Ramazan Amiv, who's you know kind of cautious in his own right as well. So one of them is going to have to lull each other into actually, or sorry, lull the other guy into throwing something and try to capitalize on it. But with the the hand speed of Amiv, uh, the potential for this fight to be as close as as it is. I, I got to lean Anthony Martin or uh, Tony Martin here, uh, but I'm probably going to pass on it. I just don't have the balls to bet against a, a Russian in a fight that I think is going to be close. You know, there's there's a couple other spots where I'm looking at the the, the away team winning their fight, uh, and I may put some money on it, but it all comes down to, you know, is the price worth it first and foremost? And, uh, you know, will it be as close as, as I think that this fight will be? So, in my opinion, I think this fight's going to be a little bit too close. I'm going to go with Rocco Martin just for value sake, and I think that he has a little bit more to offer than Ramazan Amiv. Uh, I think that uh, Martin needs to be cautious of getting into the clincher because I think Amiv will have the advantage there. But I think that uh, Rocco Martin uh, is pretty disciplined. You know, the, the Damian Maia fight, Damian Maia gets everybody. Like it's it's kind of hard unless you have like insane wrestling like Kamaru Usman or Colby Covington, you're probably not getting this guy down. So, um, yeah, I I got Tony Martin here to win by decision, but I think it's just going to be super close. Uh, so personally, I'm going to pass on it. If you guys want to bet on it, I think the value is on Anthony uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. So take the shot there if you guys feel the need to really bet this fight. Next up, we got Shamil Gamzatov versus Klitson Abreu. Let's start off with Klitson Abreu. He's coming off a victory over Sam Alvey in a fight where he kind of showed almost everything. You know, Sam Alvey is always hard to take down, and then when he is, you know, when he is uh, on the ground, it's hard to kind of keep him down. 
So Clinton Abreu definitely showed that, but he also showed that he's a little bit more of a, um, a little bit more. <laughs> we got Alfred over there making a little bit of noise. I'm not sure if you guys heard him. It's been a while since you guys seen him anyway, so I'll probably show him a little bit later. It's okay, Alfred. It's okay. All right. Um, yeah, well, Clinton Abreu, he showed a little bit more of a, an all-around MMA game. Great tie. Uh, has a lot of good jiu-jitsu as well. He submitted Victor Nemkov back at M1. Was it M1? Yeah, M1. Uh, or sorry, RCC3. Um, and then had a straight arm, straight arm bar in his M1 fight that he fight after that. And then he made his UFC debut against Magomed Ankalaev. Very tough task for uh, for somebody who's making their debut uh, and then comes back and winning, wins against Sam Alvey. So Shamil is kind of in the spot that uh, Clitson was against uh, Magomed, you know, making his UFC debut. And yeah, it's in his hometown and all, but you got to be cautious uh, about a guy possibly succumbing to UFC jitters. <sighs> with the way that, uh, you know, with what I've seen from both of these guys, I think it's going to be a close fight as well. You know, Shamil has shown the fact that he's been, he's not the hardest to take down, um, you know, Rodney Wallace has had a lot of success against him. Uh, Eddie Gordon had some success against him too. Uh, and it was a lot of fights where it seemed a little close and then Shamil was able to put together a little bit of an onslaught and steal rounds from these guys. With Clitson Abreu, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit harder for him. Um, I think that Clitson has the ability to take Shamil down. Uh, will he be able to submit him? I, I'm not 100% sure. Will he be able to control him? Not 100% sure either because Gabzatov actually showed a good uh, ability to get back to his feet as well. So I'm a little bit torn on this fight. Um, I don't feel comfortable betting Gabzatov. Uh, what's he at now? Minus 210 area. I think the value is on Clinton here too. Uh, I'm hoping that the UFC jitters don't don't get to Shamil Gabzatov here because I think that he is a, a promising prospect undefeated i believe yeah 13 and 0 uh had a little bit of a stint in the pfl and then decided to join the ufc i it, it's it's been a while since he's fought too he hasn't fought since august of last year against rex harris i like i, I fuck i like clits in here man the only thing kind of scaring me off is the fact that this fight's in russia as well um you know i could see it being as close as uh like a tony martin and and uh Ramazan and me fight so that's kind of what's scaring me off here but I'm not too mad at the plus 175 on Clitson. I'm probably going to take Clitson now that I'm thinking about it you know I just don't like the fact that Shamil is a little bit um he could do better with his pacing he he doesn't have the most output and I think that Clitson could take advantage of that if if Shamil wants to to go that route and I think if Clitson goes in there and tries to mix it up, mix it up with some takedowns and and implement his jujitsu, he might have some success in terms of you know scoring rounds. Um, but he's going to have to be very persistent with it. Uh, if he just does it in little spurts and Shamil has his moments as well, the Russian judge or not even the Russian judges, but just judges in general are probably going to sway a little bit more towards Shamil. Obviously, with the crowd reacting a little bit more to what Shamil does than what Clitson does. Um, which is unfortunate, you know. I mean, they shouldn't have outside factors like that. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I, I, values on Clinton here, in my opinion. I'm not huge on uh, Shamil. Um, he could prove me wrong here. Uh, a couple of that in with the fact that it's his UFC debut, and I haven't really been having the most success with guys making their UFC debuts. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Clinton. I think Clinton takes this by decision. 
just with a little bit more output, a little bit more success with uh, mixing the fight up. Uh, but he's going to have to wear on Shamil a little bit to make it a little bit easier for him too. So um, pass for me in general. I, I just don't I don't feel comfortable taking your Brayu here, uh, but I do think he's going to win, uh, and I'm going to take, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just going to take him to win by decision. Next up, now let's talk about a fight where I actually am probably going to make a bet. Zalim Imadia versus Daddy Roberts. If you guys remember last time around, I faded Danny Roberts, and for some goddamn reason, Michelle Pereira was up to like a plus 240 underdog against him, and I had to take the shot. Um, yeah, Danny Roberts, according to Tapology, closed out as a minus 235 favorite against Michelle Pereira, but I had to I had to take the shot there. It was a no-brainer. Considering the, the state of Danny Roberts' chin, you got to take him. And this is another, another aspect where he's fighting a guy that's a little bit... Uh, you know, unorthodox with his striking, loves to throw spinning shit, throws a lot of heat, um, likes to push the pressure, likes to be in guys' faces. Uh, and I think all of those things are, you know, uh, just a bad a bad matchup for Danny Roberts. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to completely shit on Danny Roberts here. I think he has good striking. He has good technique. Uh, I believe he's still down at Hard Knocks 365 as well with um, uh, Henry Hooft. Uh, I I love I but I love Zalim here. You know I, I love fading guys with you know chin issues. Uh, he got rocked multiple times in that Claudio Silva fight, and then stupidly gave an, gave up an armbar. Very controversial as well, whether he tapped or not. Uh, and then Michelle Pereira just putting him out pretty much in round two. I could see Zalim kind of having the same success that Michelle Pereira had, uh, maybe even a little bit quicker. Um, you know Zalim's fight against Max Griffin. That was an interesting one because that first round was clearly Danny Roberts, or sorry, um, Max Griffin. Uh, and then unfortunately, Zalim had his had that point taken away for grabbing the fence. I like the, the assertiveness of the referee in that fight, and it should be like that. Guys shouldn't have to be warned. Guys should already fucking know, do not grab the cage. Um, so good on that ref for taking the point away from Zalim. But honestly, I thought that fight was a draw. I... <laughs> I thought that uh, Max Griffin won that first round, and obviously he won it 10-8 because Zalim got that point taken away. But the next two rounds, I think Zalim dished out enough offense to clearly win both of those rounds uh, and then make it a draw. You know, even in the third round, he was coming forward, and and Max Griffin was able to lean on him and clinch him up a little bit near the ending of that third round. But Zalim was was going for it, and... I don't think he's going to need more than one round this time around to put out a guy like Danny Roberts. He's going to catch him on the chin, and Roberts's chin is just not there. The guy cannot take a shot. So the fact that you're able to give me close to minus 110 for Zalim inside the distance, I am hammering that shit. What is he now? Imadiev inside the distance, still minus 110. I'm still going to wait it out because I think there might be some people that are going to play Danny Roberts. Uh, the line is slowly coming down now, too, for Zalim. Uh he was like minus 220. She's minus 210 now on, on Pinnacle. Uh, let's see, on five dimes, it feels as drastic. Minus 180 uh, down to minus 225 and then up to minus 210. Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, Danny Roberts money coming in, but I need the limits to go up a little bit as well on on, on sport bet for me. Uh, and then I'm going to make the play on Zaleem probably inside the distance, uh, and it'll probably be a lock of the night play. I, I, I don't feel as comfortable as I do 
with any other bet than that. Uh, with that said, with it being around the minus 110 range, I don't see the need to go the full five units. So I'll probably go three and a half units on Zli, maybe four units tops. Uh, but I think there's plenty of value in that line alone that you don't need to risk five units and, you know, possibly Danny Roberts landing some crazy shot and putting Zaleem out as well. So uh, I love the value on Zaleem inside the distance. Uh, definitely going to be a lock of the night play. Uh, and unfortunately going to knock out Daniel Roberts and cause a little bit more CTE in his life. Uh, but I'm taking Salim first round finish. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say more than that. He just, you know, the unorthodox nature of his strikes is going to cause a little bit of confusion for Daniel Roberts, just as it did in the Michelle Pereira fight. Uh, but I think that Salim is going to be a little bit more efficient with it, uh, and definitely get that first round finish. So, uh, also the last thing I want to point in, point out. Max Griffin had a lot of success with grinding and clinching with Zalim Imadiev. I just don't think that Daniel Roberts is going to have that type of success or for that long. So, uh, I, you know, he may try to grow for it. I think that Zalim is going to be a little strong for him. He's going to be able to get out of bad positions and then unleash hell uh, and then put Daniel Roberts out. So I'm taking Zalim Imadiev by first round finish and making that a lock of the night play. All right. <laughs> Let's get into the next fight. Alexander Volkov versus Greg Hardy. So these next two fights, I'm out here dog hunting. Uh, so Alexander Volkov is taking a little bit of a time off. He was actually scheduled to fight, I believe, Alistair Overeem. Yeah, Alistair Overeem back in April, he had to pull out due to health issues. I'm not 100% sure exactly what those issues were. Uh, but due to that pullout, he hasn't fought since October of last year, which is Khabib against McGregor at UFC 229. Uh, that was a fight against Derek Blackbeast Lewis where I actually had Volkov as a lock of the night play. And then with 11 seconds left, Derek Lewis puts his lights out. Good night. But Volkov went out there, played a great game plan, you know, picked apart Derek Lewis from the outside, did a lot of damage, uh, you know, didn't have much to worry about other than evading those big shots from Derek Lewis. Um, and I just don't know what, what went through his brain when he when that last that last exchange took place and Derek Lewis was able to capitalize on it. Um, you know, if anything in Derek Lewis fights that you should take is the fact that this guy likes to t put it on you at the end of the round. You know, he even showed it this past weekend against Blago Ivanov. He's just, he goes ham in those last 30 to 40 seconds of every round just to try to steal it or try to get a knockout of some sort. And uh, I guess Alexander Volkov just didn't get that fucking memo. memo. Um but, uh, you know, he showed a great fight up until that point. Uh, and now he comes in here against Greg Hardy, fighting a guy that kind of has the, you know, the same type of knockout ability as a Derek Lewis, uh, but try to show a little bit more tools in his shed uh, in his last fight against Ben Sassoli. So moving over to Greg Hardy, you know, all we've seen from this guy is just raw power and and just absolute chaos every time he fights in there. But in his last fight against Ben Sassoli, in a fight that I took the under one and a half, this guy fucking goes out there and tries to be a, a GSP or some fucking, you know, just a, a guy that looks for points. It was crazy. You know, set aside inhaler gate and all that stuff. He looked fucking good. You know, he was going out there, uh, tossing leg kicks out there, something that American top team has worked on a lot with their guys, especially the calf kick. Um but Greg Hardy showed that he could go the full 15 minutes, inhaler or not. I think he still would have been able to go the full 15. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's good to get that ring time in there rather than just go in there, molly-wop these guys and then get out and have no experience. So 
I understand where he's coming from when he wanted to go the full 15 against Ben Sassoli, but this is probably not the fight that you want to go the full 15 against a guy like Alexander Volkov, who technically pretty much everywhere has Greg Hardy beat except punching power and and possibly explosiveness. So with that said, I'm a little intrigued or I'm a little put off by the fact that the line is so wide. You can currently get Greg Hardy roughly around the plus 230-ish range. Uh, I think it should be a little bit closer to maybe minus 230, plus 180-ish. Um, but, you know, I think people are privy to the fact that Greg Hardy could possibly land that one-shot KO on Volkov, especially on a guy that just got put out in his last fight. It's good that he's taken over a year off and kind of was forced to take over the, the full year off, uh, you know, after pulling out from that Overeem fight back in uh, April. But... I like the chances of Greg Hardy possibly finding Volkov's shin within 15 minutes. I, I see no reason as to why you should bet Alexander Volkov here at those super juicy odds when there is always that chance that Greg Hardy is going to be able to close the distance and land on him. It's it's a no-brainer. Hardy wins inside the distance is plus 275. I love that fucking line. I may make at least a 0.5 unit stab on that because I don't see Greg Hardy trying to go in there and try to GSP his way to a victory again or, you know, decision his way to a victory. I, I, I just don't see it happening. And he should know that too, just as his coaches should know. So if he goes out there, implements his leg kicks, which he was working on as well, um, but not too much to the point where, you know, Volkov could possibly, you know, use it against him, maybe take Greg Hardy down. I'm not sure if he's going to have a lot of success holding Greg Hardy down just because the guy's so fucking massive, powerful, and explosive. Um, I think that Volkov will have a lot of issues trying to hold him down. I think Volkov's best shot is maybe clinching Hardy against the cage, working his legs, some some knees to the, to the thigh, um, maybe some leg kicks of his own. Uh, but he's got to be careful of the power from Greg Hardy, and I think that Hardy kind of wants to go in there, get his job done, and get out. Um, so don't get me wrong, skill wise and experience and all that. Alexander has Greg Hardy absolutely beat, but we're talking about heavyweights here and guys with heavy punching power. I think Greg Hardy has the power explosiveness and ability to close the distance here because he is actually going to be this, this shorter and smaller guy, but very slightly, uh, to Volkov, but it, it, his 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 NFL fucking explosiveness is going to come out here, and I think he's going to close the distance distance against Volkov, find the chin and put him out. Um, Volkov's got to play play it very very disciplined and very very safe. Otherwise, he's in for uh, he's going to be knocked out. Plain and simple. I don't know how to sugarcoat it there, but uh, I'm gonna go with Greg Hardy, man. I can't believe I'm fucking saying it against a guy that is like a top seven ish heavyweight in Alexander Volkov, but. I think he gets the, the victory here. He puts uh, Volkov out. Uh, and I think plus 275 is definitely worth a shot. So I might be making at least a 0.5 unit stab on that. So I'm going to take Hardy by KO first round. Um, and I think you guys should take advantage of the fact that his inside the distance, or even if you want to play him straight, if you can only get him straight, plus 236, not a bad line, uh, or plus 235. Um, but inside the distance is kind of where it's at for me. And I'm going to be taking him at plus 275, 0.5 units. Uh, Greg Hardy, first round finish. Can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth, but it, they are. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the main event here. Zabit Magomed Sherpa versus Calvin Qatar. 
very excited for this fight stylistically these guys are matched up very well two mainly strikers even though zabi has a little bit of more uh grappling uh background that he can kind of lean on but with calvin qatar you're talking about a guy that's super disciplined on the feet you know sometimes he moves a little bit too heavy on his lead foot and people are able to kind of chop him down hanata moikano had a lot of success there um you know ricardo lamas kind of worked it a little bit until he got put the fuck out um and Zabit does a good job with working the leg kicks. So, you know, if Zabit can stay on that and and he is going to be kind of forced to move backwards this whole fight, I think that Calvin's going to be be the one bringing the fight to him, uh, going to try to work his hands. Um, I think he will have success with the hands. Uh, my only issue is with Zabit, like he is very precise when it comes to, uh, you know, moving backwards and still landing good shots. So I think that he might be able to find some openings on Calvin here. And I wouldn't even be surprised to see Zabi kind of lean on his wrestling. Uh, the one advantage, like I said at the top of the show, uh, that Zabit's going to have here is the fact that it's a three-round fight. I think if it goes, you know, if it's a full five-round fight, that would open up more options for Calvin Qatar to win this fight in the later rounds. Uh, as we've seen Zabit kind of gas in the third rounds of his fight against Jeremy Stevens, even the Kyle Bokniak fight, he was kind of slowing down there. But... I, I I like Calvin Qatar's chances uh, at the heavy dog odds that he's currently at. So th this is going to be one of those weird ones where I'm actually going to pick Zabit to win, but I might make a small bet on. Excuse me, uh, I'm I'm going to pick Zabit to win, but I think I'm going to make a small bet on Calvin Qatar here. Uh, plus two fifty. What is it? Plus two, plus two fifty. For a guy with the skill set of Calvin Qatar, is definitely worth a shot, especially against a guy in Zabit who might get a little wild sometimes with some of his strikes. And if there's a guy to take advantage of that and try to, you know, catch Zabit slipping, it's a guy like Calvin Qatar who has such crisp striking. Uh, his punches are just so clean. Uh, you know, what he put Ricardo Lamas out with was just insane. He works the body very well. Um, he's going to have to check some leg kicks here because I think that that might be one of Zabit's main game plans as well is, is really beat up the front leg of Calvin Qatar so he's not able to generate as much power when he's throwing his strikes. But I like... Uh, <sighs> I like Calvin Qatar at dog money, the, the crazy dog money that he's currently at. Uh, but I still think this is a beat or outpoints him and wins a decision here. And this might be a close fight. Like I've kind of been pointing at the Ramazan Ami fight and the against uh, Tony Martin. Uh, but, you know, Tony Martin's not a plus 250 underdog here. So I'm willing to take a shot on a plus 250 dog here. Uh, very small, probably like a 0.5 to 0.75 unit bet. Nothing too crazy, but I think it's worth a shot. Uh, again, considering the skill sets of these guys, uh, Calvin could easily catch Zabit on some, you know, if Zabit slacks a little bit or throws a little bit too much or, or overextends on one of his shots. We don't see that often from Zabit, and he's going to have to really, really make sure that he watches himself in that fifth round too. Otherwise, Calvin Qatar could definitely, you know, capitalize on his lack of a gas tank and and move forward, push forward, and and land big shots and and work the body as well. So Zabit, you know, this is kind of a coming out party for him, at least to the masses, and and uh, having that that big fight on, you know, his main. It's the main. He's the main event. He's the fucking main event. The 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 card is, you know with an asterisk it's kind of built around him there's a reason they moved into the main event and didn't you know leave alexander volkov there you could have left you could have easily left volkov versus hardy in the main event there might have been a lot of politics behind it too but you know they moved the beat up there they know this is going to be an entertaining fight uh and calvin qatar is a very very dangerous opponent so um main thing for Zabit, 
work of the leg kicks. If he's able to work the leg kicks, he's going to slow down Calvin Qatar and he'll be a little bit safer in the third round. Um, you know, if you're going to be backing up, make sure you're throwing enough to still get the judge's decision as he has in the Jeremy Stevens fight and the Kyle Bokniak fight. But I think it's going to be a little bit harder when you have a guy as disciplined and as 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 crisp as Calvin Qatar, which is why I'm comfortable with taking a small dog shot on Calvin Qatar here. So I am going to pick Zabit Magomed Sharapov to win, but I will be making a small bet on Calvin Qatar just in the off chance that you know he lands a perfect shot on him. Uh, whether it be in the first round and a half or in that third round when Zabit starts to slow down a bit. Uh, but I, I like his chances, man. It, 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 there's no brains about it. I thought this was going to be a much closely lined fight, like maybe minus 160, minus 175 for Zabit. But a lot of people either love Zabit or the, the, the bookmakers are just, you know, got Zabit's balls in their mouth. I, I don't fucking know. But I like Calvin Qatar to win. Uh, but I am going to pick Zabit. Zabit won't be my pick, but Calvin Qatar is more than likely going to be a bet. So don't get those two things twisted. I don't mind betting against the guy that I'm picking to win. The value needs to be there. The reason reasoning needs to be there. And the skill set needs to be there. And Calvin Qatar checks off all three of those boxes for me. Plain and simple. All right. That was the MMA Lockcast. Thanks for joining me as always. Next week, we're going to be going over UFC Brazil, somewhere in Brazil. I think it's headlined by Jan Blachowicz and uh, Jacare Souza. Jacare going up to 205. So that should be an interesting spin on things. Uh, and Jan tries to push back another guy moving up to from middleweight. You know, last time around, he beat Luke Rockhold. And now he's going to try to do the same thing against Jacare Souza on Jacare's home turf. Um, yeah, it's been a busy week. Uh, I got locked in with uh, Alexander Volkov and Greg Hardy coming out uh, on Wednesday. So you should guys check that out. Um, I'll get into a little bit why I think that Greg Hardy could actually win this fight. Um, Combative Stores is out. That dropped on Monday, aka today. Uh, and Deciding Splits came out on Sunday as well, where we dis- dissected Derek Lewis versus Blago Ivanov. We got a good reception on that. A lot of people are enjoying it. I can't wait to do continue keep doing it uh, with Tony. I, we have a lot of fun doing that, and it really helps us too. in in terms of really breaking down fights and and how scoring should actually go, uh, so that's fun. And then lastly, the Patreon. You know, what I mean, I'm trying to upgrade this studio that I got going on, and and continue to do this a little bit more full time and put out more video more videos for you guys too. Uh, big shout out to Rockstar Z for for you know, blowing your boy up a little bit on Twitter. So I appreciate that. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, Patreon.com slash MMALOTN on Twitter at MMALOTN. The website is www.MMALOTN.ca. Subscribe, like, hit me in the comments, rag on me if you want. Love me if you want. It's all good. Thanks for checking out the episode. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.